G'day mates, Matty Graham here. Welcome to episode number 49. It is so good to have you here. In today's episode, we are talking about periodization and how to train smarter. What does that actually mean? Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. G'day, mate. What's going on this week? Welcome to episode 49 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. Now, it's been a while since I last done a podcast, and I apologize for that. Things have just been crazy here. Everything's starting to heat up here for the Southern Hemisphere summer season. So all the endurance athletes that I work with are starting to crack into some big training load. Also, all of the winter athletes that I work with here in New Zealand are gearing up for the Northern Hemisphere winter season. So we've got uh, a little bit of an overlap at the moment where I've got a lot of uh, summer athletes and a lot of winter athletes all preparing at the same time. Makes for a busy time. Also had some family over from America visiting uh, and spending as much time with them because we don't often get to see them. But here we are today. We're going to dive straight into it and tackle some hopefully interesting and informative uh, topics that's going to help you with your training. Before we crack into that, just remember if you want a quality, structured training plan without the price tag of a personalized coaching program, Check out the wide range of training plans that are over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash plans. Over there, there are specific plans for individual races or events, as well as general plans that you can apply to your situation. If you can't find what you're looking for over there, if it doesn't cater to quite what you're after, let us know and we will see what we can come up with for you. Now, in our Performance Temple series, we are almost at the end. We've been through all the underlying foundation covering health and well-being and athlete support network. We've ticked off all of the four different pillars over these last four podcasts, nutrition, function, recovery, and psychology. Now, we're going to round out the Performance Temple model with the roof, talking about periodization. So without further ado, let's... Get into it. Periodization. Everything that follows regarding periodization comes from the free Performance Temple Handbook that you can download over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com. Most people are familiar with the periodization pyramid and the concept of building a wide technique and endurance base. So you can build your strength and speed on top of it. The wider and bigger your base, the higher you can build your speed. However, the success of all of this training relies on the strength of your overall foundation and pillars. Periodization is simply the process of breaking down your training into smaller more manageable phases that work on different aspects of your performance at different times. Starting at the bottom of the pyramid, technique and skills. The first thing that all athletes should do, but most tend to neglect, 
is to develop their technique and movement patterns. Get the basics right first, in other words. One thing that is clear at the elite level is how well these athletes do the basic things right. Not just once, but over and over again. Elite athletes spend countless hours working on refining and mastering their technique. On the other hand, beginners often skip this stage of their development in favour for the hard graft of other training and are then forced to come back to this phase when they become injured or when they start looking for other ways to break out of a plateau. Many problems and injuries can easily be avoided by first learning the correct techniques and movement patterns. The length of this training phase varies between 0 and 6 weeks. It is beneficial even for elite athletes to take time in the early preseason to revisit their technique. For some athletes, and some sports in particular, that are heavily technique focused, this type of training can be continued throughout the season. The physiological adaptations that occur over this training phase are primarily neuromuscular in nature. This means that the training is focused on firing the correct nervous pathways to activate specific muscle groups required to perform the specific task. Often when athletes are trying to break a faulty technique habit that they have ingrained over years of incorrect movement, this phase can be both physically and mentally very hard and frustrating as they try to override their strongly ingrained incorrect technique and activate the muscles that have often been inactive for some time. Athletes that are new to their sport should focus the majority of their training time in this and the next training phase as developing the strong foundation takes time. Endurance. Once you're performing the correct movement pattern, you need to develop your body's ability to perform these movements repeatedly for a prolonged period of time. Endurance base building is usually synonymous with long, steady distance training. While this plays a very important role in improving your performance, it is not the only way to improve your endurance base. Then I outline a link about where you can read more about high intensity interval training to improve endurance capacity. And I'll put that link over in the show notes at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 49. The physiological adaptations that occur during this endurance phase are increased blood volume, increase in heart size, increased capillarization of the muscles, increased production of mitochondria, increased fat metabolism, all of which lead to an increase in endurance capacity. Also during this phase, the athletes develop their confidence in their ability to complete distance or times that may be daunting to them as they prepare for their goal race. This phase of training also allows the body to develop a structural resistance to the repetitive impacts of training. This needs to be managed carefully so it does not result in overuse injuries. As you can see many of these training adaptations are structural in nature and require the building of new things in the body, such as blood vessels, red blood cells, and heart muscle cells. 
as a result of it, it takes a long time to develop these training adaptations. But on the flip side, they also tend to hang around a little bit longer if training is stopped. Depending on the length of an athlete's build-up, training history and goals, this training phase can last anywhere from 2 to 10 weeks. Strength. Once you have performed the correct technique over and over again, now you need to start performing it with some grunt. When most people think of strength, they think of gym training. While this is a way to develop your strength, there are many other ways as well. For endurance athletes, the large majority of your strength phase is going to be made up of hill work for running and cycling, bungee work and bigger paddles in the kayak, and paddles in the paddles and pull boys in the pool, and big gear work on the bike. The focus is on developing your muscles' ability to generate more force, which is a key component of power. Power equals force times velocity. Strength focuses on force. The main physiological adaptations in training over this phase are increased contractility of muscle fibers, anaerobic threshold development, along with progressing the adaptations of the endurance phase. This phase is typically two to eight weeks or longer depending on the athlete. Speed phase. Once you've developed your force generation capacity, it's time to move on to developing how fast your muscles are able to contract and relax. This is the velocity part of the equation that I talked about before. The faster this can happen, the more power you can potentially produce. For endurance athletes, most of the benefit in this phase comes from extending your anaerobic threshold as high as possible along with some sharpening of your VO2 max. Many people think of speed training as 100 meter sprints. This is not the case for endurance athletes and the key focus should be on the development of their speed endurance and being able to sustain the highest possible speed for the longest possible time. The main adaptations to occur during this phase are improvements in anaerobic enzymes, increased lactate buffering, lactate clearance, and increase in pain tolerance. Many of these training adaptations are enzymatic, and they can be stimulated relatively quickly, which is why an athlete's speed phase is significantly shorter than their base phase. Because these changes are mainly enzymatic in nature, they also quickly revert back to normal once training is stopped. This is why many athletes following an injury or time off, they still feel like they have their base fitness, but they lack their top end speed. Depending on the length of an athlete's build-up, training history and goals, this training phase can last from two to eight weeks or longer. The newer the athlete is to competition, the shorter this phase tends to be, while athletes with a longer training history can benefit from a longer speed and power focus. Power phase. The development of your explosive power training is like the icing on your cake. 
while it does not take long to ice the cake relative to how long it took to make it, without the icing, something is just missing. Explosive power training develops the athlete's ability to attack and sprint. If you're an endurance athlete, do not be put off by the word sprint. This type of training has also been found to be a time-effective method of developing your endurance performance through a number of different pathways. The main training adaptation that occurs during this training phase are neuromuscular adaptations along with fine top-end tuning of your VO2 max and anaerobic threshold. This training phase typically lasts two to six weeks, again depending on the specific race, athlete and their goals. Multi-tiered periodization. Multi-tiered periodization is another method that can be used instead of the traditional linear or pyramid periodization framework. And that's pretty much what we just covered, or if you can imagine a triangle or a roof of a house, that's your typical traditional linear periodization model. Multi-tiered periodization is designed to work on all aspects, technique, endurance, strength, speed and power, all at the same time. This is good for athletes who have a large number of races or competitions in close succession and do not want to peak for a specific one-off event. Other times when this can be good is if an athlete has a really short build-up time frame before a race and needs to get fit as fast as possible. It is also possible to mash these two periodization models together. For example, with some cyclists, it's good to do an early pre-season linear focused technique and base training block before moving into a more multi-tiered approach during the season when racing is very frequent, but you don't want to lose touch with your endurance while developing your speed. The thing with the periodization framework is that it needs to be adapted to suit your specific situation. It's not often that you get a block of time when an athlete can be progressed seamlessly through each training phase. Other races, time limitations, injury, etc. all mean that some stages need to be fast-tracked, adapted or skipped altogether in some cases. The bottom line is that there is never a one-size-fits-all and you slash your coach needs to be flexible and innovative to maximize your end performance. So that wraps up the performance temple. Remember, if you want to get the performance temple handbook package, it's an in-depth handbook on the function, psychology, recovery, and nutrition pillar. You can go and do that over at Exponential Performance Coaching slash PT as in performance temple and these handbooks are still on sale for only one dollar so you can get all of those for four dollars usually eighteen dollars if you get them at full price so go and check that out if you would like more help developing your performance in that area now that periodization stuff I've talked about that before in another episode of the podcast and I think it's such an important part if you're a self-coached athlete is trying to refine that periodization and get things right. For me, whenever a new athlete comes to me, I start off, how long do we have? 
what other races do we have in there? And then I start shaping the blocks of time that we have depending on their needs. I always try and follow that model or that system, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes we need to put in condensed blocks of specific training phases, or if it's a, a, a well-experienced athlete coming to me, we may leave out some phases and just work on others that are going to give them the biggest bang for their buck. Likewise, if a complete beginner athlete comes that's preparing for a race, we're going to put our focus on the things that are going to make the biggest difference in the shortest amount of time, picking the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. And depending on who you are, what your needs are, and what you're preparing for, will change what that low-hanging fruit is and what it looks like to you. If you've got any questions about your periodization uh, or things that you might like me to talk through, feel free to send me a message over at Exponential Performance Coaching slash ask. Send me in a voice question and I'll talk through it here on the podcast. I am also working on a resource, online resource, that is all about uh, periodization and then that you can then take that and implement it in your own training. I'm working on that. It's going to be a series of videos, uh, PowerPoint slides, that sort of thing. It's taking some time and I've still got a few other projects on the go that I need to get finished before I sort that out. But it is in the pipeline for those who have been asking about it. So there, that's the performance temple wrapped up, done. Remember, you can get your free copy of the introduction handbook over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com and if you want to get those four pillar handbooks for one dollar each you can check those out all of the links for all of these resources will be over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 49 for episode 49 of this podcast any questions uh, any dramas post a comment below in whatever platform you are listening on and i will do my best to answer it now we're going to have a move on to talking about training smarter. What does that actually mean? Training smarter or training smart. Train smart. Something that I say every day. I type it in an email. I I say it at the end of a podcast. I say it at the end of a video. What does it actually mean? What does train smarter or train smart really mean? There's a hashtag going around, train smart, not hard. What does that actually mean? What do we mean when we say train smart? Well, here's what I think it means. And here's what I apply it to my life as. Because I think a lot of people think that training smarter is a silver bullet, so to speak, or a magic pill. Or if I go out and buy this thing, buy this multi-hundred dollar or even thousand dollar piece of equipment, monitoring thing, then that's training smarter. I want to think about today what is actually training smarter and how you can apply some philosophies to your training that will help you train smarter. So I want you to imagine... You meet a magician in the street. Now, not one of these new magicians that make buildings disappear 
and uh, all these crazy things happen. Not one of those ones. I want you to think about an old school magician. And on their table in front of them, they've got three cups. And under one of those cups is, I don't know, a little marble or a pea or whatever they put under those little cups. The magician says, under one of these cups is a pea. If you choose the right cup, $100 is yours. And so you take a look at three cups and there's no way to know which one has the pea. So you choose randomly. You pick up one cup, you say, it's under there. No, it's not under there. What about under that one there? No, it's not under there. Well, it must be under the last one. Bingo, you've got it. So rewind that situation. Now, here's a little bit of information for you. The magician tells you, under cup number one, the P is found 80% of the time. Cup number two, it is found 15%. And cup number three is only found 5% of the time. So knowing those chances, which cup would you choose? 80, 15, or 5%? Well, most people, me, I guess it's logical that you would choose the cup that has the P under 80% of the time. It's got the best chance. Now, before I get too deep into talking about magicians and cups and peas, what's the point of this story? Well, what I find is that this is a little analogy for how training smart works. In science, we don't know anything for certain. But what we do know is that when experiments are done, when research is done, it lends evidence to one side or the other. It supports an idea, supports a philosophy, it supports a theory. And it's kind of like those peas in the cup. For 80% of the people, this training technique works. For 80% of the people, this training program works or this nutrition intervention works. Now, everybody is different. But then again, everybody is quite similar. We're more similar than we are different when it comes to physiology. And I think it's a logical way of doing things that you would start. The starting point would be the thing that works best for the majority or the average, whether it comes to a training technique or nutrition. And from there, you start refining it specifically for you. Now, what a lot of people do is they line up at those three cups and they just start guessing. Even if they're told what the odds are, they just start firing out random guesses. And that's fine. But when it comes to training, that is like trying to refine something that you don't even have a good grip on in terms of what usually works for other people that have the same physiology as you. Or, I think is a more tricky case, is that there is somebody that may have done the event before you or who's got some experience in your sport and they said, this is what worked for me. This is what worked for me. And then you take on that same approach that worked for them, but then you have to refine what worked for that individual into refining it to work with you. And sometimes people can spend years 
years and years trying to refine this refinement of a training process. Whereas if they just went back to the start, what works for most people, and then refine it for them from there, it fast tracks the process. So training smarter, for me, means using information about what we know about the human body, about physiology, anatomy, psychology, nutrition, training, using that information to then inform what happens and how to apply that to the individual. Training smarter for me is not about going out and buying a specific heart rate monitor, buying a special drink, buying a special pill, buying a power meter, uh, all of that stuff that costs money. That, to me, is not training smarter. That's just throwing money at something and hoping. What we need to do is we need to engage with what we're doing and use the information and refine things specifically for you. Now, I think that's kind of logical in terms of a starting place. Moving away from little analogies and a little bit of a rant about training smarter, what are some key things that you can do as an athlete to help you train smarter? The biggest thing I would think is make sure your training is systematic and you know the why behind what you're doing every time you step out the door to, to do a training session. Now the difference between training and exercise is a very important thing to know. Training is the systematic use of exercise to improve sporting performance. So if you don't have a specific aim or a specific system set up around your exercise, you're not training. You're just exercising. And that's absolutely fine if you're just wanting to maybe lose a little bit of weight, be a little bit healthier, a little, little, little bit longer. That is absolutely fine. But if you want to train and be work towards something with the specific goal of improving your sporting performance, you need to be systematic about what you are doing. And knowing why you are heading out the door to do a session, I find really helps with this. Other key things about for training smarter is planning. That's the systematic part of training. Plan short term, long term, mid term. Do you have small stepping stone goals? Micro cycles, planning day to day. I think also training smart or the label of an athlete is not nothing about what you do, but more so a mindset about how you approach your training. How you approach your training before, during, and even after it. An athlete who has all of their gear ready, they don't leave their heart rate monitor at home, they've got it in their bag, they're ready to go. During the training, they don't just go out aimlessly, they know exactly what they're going out there to do, they tick their boxes. Even if that's just a uh, cruisy, enjoyable ride, if that's part of the plan, then that's what you do. Or is it specific intervals at a specific intensity? And then after training, what are you doing? Are you nailing your recovery and nutrition? Are you cleaning your gear so that it's ready for the next day? Whatever that might be. So I think training smarter 
is more a mindset than anything else. One area that I think you can get big benefits from is monitoring your training. Monitoring your training. Now, as soon as people think about training smarter and monitoring, they jump to heart rate and HRV. Now, those things are good tools, okay? No doubt about it. Monitoring resting heart rate, monitoring HRV to have a look at the difference of sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous activity are really good. But I think most people would benefit from just tuning into their body a little bit more and reading the signs and signals that it's sending you rather than going and investing in more technology and more numbers that you may or may not look at for more than a couple of weeks. But tuning into your body, when I do this, I feel like this. I need to take more rest today. I didn't get enough sleep last night. All of those things feed back into your training and your performance. So listen to your body, record your training, track your performance, track your hunger. How are you feeling after different training sessions? Tuning in. That, to me, is all about what training smarter is all about. Now, there is a little bit of a dichotomy there. Listening to your body. A lot of people... Some people start tuning into their body so much that all these signals that are coming back from them, they can't decipher what they all mean, and they always seem that they're tired and they don't want to train, so they end up taking these extra recovery days. Now, I am all about recovery, 100%, but for recovery to be effective and to be helpful, you need to put in the hard training as well. So there's that dichotomy between them. Train hard, but not too hard. Be smart about your training and get that recovery when you're feeling tired. But some days you just need to tell your body to shut up and we need to be training hard, push on through for this training block. Hopefully the recovery is factored into your training that will come later. So it's a fine balancing act. Training at a high level is like walking a tightrope. It requires a little bit of back and forth, toying and froing with your balance, and steadily you wobble your way forward. One slight movement either way, too much, too little, then you end up plummeting to your death below, or at least hopefully there's a safety net down there to catch you. So listen to your body, see what it's saying, but don't become over-tuned and start interpreting things that aren't actually there. Biggest thing, goals. Know what they are. Have them written down. Think about sacrificing potential short-term gains for long-term success. Whether that be short-term fun, short-term gains, short-term things, races. Some people want to race every single weekend, but they don't understand why they're not achieving their long-term goals. Well, it's because you've been racing every single weekend. You can't string together specific loading blocks, impeding your recovery. While it's fun to race often for some people, you need to start thinking about what what your goals are and are you doing the right things to move towards them. Always review and adjust things, whether that be day-to-day, weekly, monthly. Sit down and actually have a review. After a key race, review what went well, what can you improve on. 
And the final thing I'd say is experiment and research. Once you have got a starting point, what works for most people from the research, that information, then start refining it. Experiment with yourself. What actually works best for you? But don't start experimenting before you actually have that starting point nailed down. There it is from me. I think that, for me, in a nutshell, is what training smarter is all about. It's not about going and purchasing all the latest bells and whistles. Most people love going out and buying all the latest gizmos and gadgets that monitor training, but then they don't actually end up using them because it's a bunch of hard work, management of the numbers. They just become an expensive wristwatch, bike computer, whatever it might be. Get down to the basics, do the basics right over and over again, listen to your body, tune in, think about what you're doing, and use the knowledge, hopefully you're getting it from this podcast, to get a starting point and then start refining it from there. That's all I have for you today. I hope you found it useful. I hope you can take that information and go and apply it to your training. For all of the resources I talked about, they're going to be over at the show notes at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 49 for episode 49. If you have any questions at all, let me know. Whatever platform you are listening on, drop down into the comment section, send me through a message. I read all of your messages and I will try to reply to all of them as well. If you have a question you want me to cover on the podcast, send it on through either via email or a a direct message through any social media platform or ideally head over to exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ask, send me through a voice question over there. Make sure you subscribe to stay updated with everything I have got coming out. There's lots of different platforms people listen to podcasts on, whether that be Stitcher, iTunes, um, Pocket Cast, YouTube, whatever platform you're listening on, hit the subscribe button. It's greatly appreciated. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you enjoyed, what you would like to see more of. Or alternatively, come over to Facebook, Instagram, or Strava to continue the conversation over there. Catch up and ask me any questions you have. Until next week, get out there and train hard because you need to train hard for recovery to be effective. But most importantly, train smart. Think about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how it's going to improve your performance so you can reach your goals, whatever they might be. Done.